Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. How can students fight back against rip-off COVID imprisonment? Universities have enticed students onto courses with promises of a learning experience that never materialised, then trapped them there under lockdown to suck out fees and rent. Overcrowding on campus and in housing is causing major material and mental health crises. Meanwhile, jobs and teaching quality have nosedived after already suffering from years of marketisation. And the official student organisations have completely deserted the field. Starmer's Labour has ignored the pressing problems of students and young people as it cravenly backs the Tory government's approach. So this episode of Socialism looks at the crisis in the universities. How can students fight back? All parts of society are in crisis as Britain heads into a second national lockdown, which is in itself a humiliating new term for the Tory government. But at the same time, we've got an attack on the old anti-austerity leadership of the Labour Party, the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn on completely trumped up charges by the Labour right. So a crisis there in the Labour Party. Meanwhile, over the pond, we've got the battle over who is going to be the next representative of capitalism in the US, the battle for the presidency, massive crises, both of these in different ways. But of course, back in Britain, there's also been an ongoing crisis on the campuses for university students, which is what we're going to focus on in this episode. For those other issues, we recommend that you go to the Socialist Party website, socialistparty.org.uk, to see what we're saying about the battle inside Labour and the need for a political alternative outside of it as well. And to socialistworld.net for the latest on what we're saying about the US elections. We're here today with Theo Sharif, who's the Socialist Party's youth and student organiser, as well as the national organiser of Socialist Students, which is a campaigning organisation on campuses all across across Britain. Hello Theo. Hi James. Now the government has been trying to blame students and young people for the rising infection rate which has led to them engaging in this humiliating U-turn and initiating a second national lockdown in Britain. What is the situation like right now for students and are students to blame? Well the situation that students have been put in is absolutely horrendous. Students are furious, they're very very angry at the situation because Frankly, they've been lied to before they arrived on the university campuses. There were promises from university management, face-to-face teaching. There were hints about things like real-life freshers events, socialising, social events that they could attend. But the reality of the situation was that the conditions waiting for students on the campuses were closer to that of prisons than Mm. universities. Um, Students have been locked down in their halls as the infection rate on campus has gone up. And by the way, as a side point, the mental health of students in particular is suffering very, very badly, especially when you factor in the disappearing over the last decade of mental health services and support for students on the campuses. Mm -hmm. Students are being charged for food deliveries by their universities, often extortionate rates for these food deliveries. There was one in Lancaster University, some students were being charged as much as £17.95 a day for three meals of food parcels. Yeah, it's an absolute scandalous situation. And of course, as the infection rate has gone up on the campuses, the very little face-to-face teaching that students were afforded is now being taken away. Now, I think the first main point to make is that we reject the argument that this was 
an inevitability, that this was the inevitable outcome of the coronavirus pandemic on the campuses. This was a completely avoidable crisis. And it was the years of cuts, privatisation and outsourcing, which has been carried out on the campuses by management, but also cheered on by the Tory government in Westminster as well, that has left our campuses vulnerable and unable to handle the coronavirus crisis. And I think this was a pre-existing crisis. That's what we would say. This was a pre-existing crisis, which like across all of society, the coronavirus is simply brought to the fore. Now, one example is the overcrowding of the university campuses, which was a widely reported issue before the coronavirus ever was a factor in all of this. I mean, even in February of this year, the newspapers nationally were reporting at some of what are meant to be the most elite universities in the country, like Manchester, Nottingham, and Lancaster as well. Students were essentially being asked, they were being emailed by university management and asked not to come into their lectures because there weren't enough seats in lecture theatres. They were being given links to watch, basically Zoom, or to watch live stream lectures or to sit in a coffee shop and watch their lectures. Talk to any student nowadays, or I think in the past five years at least, I mean... This reminds me of when I was at university, getting a seat in the library. You know, you'd have to turn up. When I went to university, it was a joke amongst me and my friends. You'd have to turn up at eight o'clock if you wanted to get a seat to study for the day in the library. Now, if this was the level of overcrowding on the campuses, if this was the situation pre-COVID, how on earth were the campuses ever meant to cope with social distancing, with the pandemic, without the extra funding being provided to expand the university campuses, including more teachers and more spaces for students to learn, socialise, etc. You asked earlier, are students to blame? No, the Tories are to blame, it's marketisation that's to blame. And just to explain that and hone in on that point for a minute, what do we mean by marketisation? Well, the tuition fee funding model, which means that the university system, instead of being adequately and properly funded by the government, universities compete amongst each other, really in a business-like manner. They compete amongst each other for student numbers to gain access to students' tuition fee money and their rent money as well, which is a very important point. And there's this drive by management to cram as many students as possible onto the campuses. And that that's what was behind the lies that students were told about what was waiting for them on the campuses. So that's why the infection rate has been going up. And we don't deny, by the way, that it is high amongst students. We're not denying that. But what we say is that it's not down to them. It's the university management, not students who are to blame. But I'll just finish on this point. It's not just about the campuses. We can't let the politicians off the hook either in this, in particular the Tories, who in 2010, of course, along with the Lib Dems, trebled tuition fees while simultaneously cutting government funding to the universities, which, as I said earlier, has left our campuses and the universities vulnerable and unable to handle this pandemic. But let's not forget as well that it was Tony Blair and the new Labour government that introduced fees in the first place, which Mm. is a very, very important point to make at the moment, given the recent attacks on Corbyn and the left within the Labour Party by the political descendants of Tony Blair, headed by Sir Keir Starmer himself. But of course, again, you can't separate the crisis on the campuses from events and processes in wider society. The other factor, of course, is the absolute abject and humiliating failure of the Tories to roll out a mass and effective testing and track and trace system that actually works. Repeatedly, they've outsourced that responsibility to their big business friends and they continue to outsource it no matter how many times these companies prove themselves completely and utterly incapable to provide those services. So there's a whole raft of issues, but the source of those issues is the university management and the country's political leadership 
particularly the Tories, but also historically the capitalist New Labour government. But to look at some of those issues in turn then, accommodation is obviously a very serious issue. You've made the point about overcrowding on campus. Certainly there is overcrowding not only in halls but in private accommodations. What can students do about that? Well, you're right. It's a very serious issue. It's cropping up at a number of universities now. Like I said earlier, lots of students have been locked down in their accommodations and they're coming up against all sorts of daily struggles and problems. Students are angry, again, that they've been lied to, to come back to university to live in halls and pay their rents when what they very quickly discovered was, in reality, there was very little point. It's them travelling the country to moving into these halls as the virus has spread and teaching by and large has been moved online. So you're seeing increasingly on different university campuses across the country, students are calling for rent refunds. Now, what that means is they're either demanding that this term's rent that they've already paid at the start of the term is to be refunded to them, or in other circumstances where they haven't yet paid the rent but they're about to soon in the term, they're considering withholding their rent payments, so essentially initiating rent strikes, which socialist students in the Socialist Party completely support. We want to fight to end the rent ripoff of students. We say that students should not be a source of profit for ripoff landlords. But there's a couple of specific points I want to make at this stage. I mean, firstly, what socialist students has been raising on the campuses is that we say for rent strikes to truly be successful and to truly win, they have to draw other students who might not necessarily yet be involved in that kind of campaign Mm. into the battle itself. And a key part of that is the question of organising on the campuses, but organising in the halls of residence as well. And that includes establishing democratically elected rent strike committees in the halls themselves to oversee the campaign, to thrash out the strategy, the tactics necessary to win on these issues, but importantly, to spread the campaign itself. Mm. And by that, by the way, I mean, spread it around the halls, but to different halls as well, to link up with students across campus, but eventually with an aim as well and a perspective to link up nationally with other students who are struggling on the campuses, which is a very, very important point. But also, students in struggle over this issue, part of the question of how are you going to convince other students to struggle alongside you is by putting forward a fighting programme and discussing that programme and convincing students to join you in that struggle. And what Socialist Students is putting forward on the campuses is a programme to end the rent ripoff once and for all. And what I mean by that, for example, you know, if students this term want a rent refund or a rent strike, that of course would be an absolutely massive victory for students but the question immediately then would be well what next Mm. do we continue just being ripped off continue living in dilapidated unsafe housing so on and so forth for the next term in the coming years so socialist students raises we need a program to end the rent ripoff and that means fighting for students for example in halls on the campuses to have a democratic say in what the rents are set at in their halls so socialist students calls for rents to be capped at a quarter no more than a quarter of whatever the average maintenance loan is but Flowing from that demand for democratically set caps on rents, flowing from that, we say that all student halls should be owned by the universities themselves. They shouldn't be owned and operated by these vicious third-party companies who frankly prey on students, charging them extortionate rents. Now, of course, that is a more ambitious sort of demand and aim than perhaps fighting for a termly rent refund. But we say that is what is necessary in order to fight for decent life for students in the universities, but also by building a mass student movement on the campuses, but nationally, that is an achievable demand as well. And what about students and also young workers and other workers, by the way, who are in private rented accommodation, say? Yeah, of course. Well, obviously, you know, the housing crisis does not begin 
begin and end on the campuses. It's an issue that affects young workers, other students, as you say, who mainly when they move into their second and third years, they move off the campuses and they move into multiple occupancy housing. But also, like you said, yeah, young workers and the working class. The housing crisis is absolutely brutal and it's a key component of the crisis, the general crisis facing young people. That capitalism offers us absolutely no future, no independence, no independent life, the ability to move out of your parents' house, so on and so forth. So, it's so, also an immediate issue in the spread of the virus due to overcrowding because of extortionate costs. That's right, exactly. So what we campaign for, councils using their powers to initiate a mass programme of council house building, but also for the houses that students themselves live in, the multiple occupancy houses, for regeneration of that stock as well, we call for. Great. So health and safety on campus is an issue as well as the dire situation in housing. Now, earlier on, when this crisis was brewing, the socialist newspaper warned that without a proper strategy, there was a risk that staff and students may end up at odds on some points when it comes to balancing teaching and learning experience and health and safety on campus. So how could these safety issues and also these potential conflicts be resolved? Well, we say that the only way to end the health and safety crisis on the campuses is to put staff and students themselves in the driver's seat and to put themselves in control of the health and safety measures taken on the campus to stop the spread of the virus. And frankly, we say that university management cannot be trusted to protect the health and safety of staff and students. And we need to make the point for years and years, they have been more than happy to carry through vicious attacks on jobs, on conditions of staff, on the pensions of staff as well, which was a trigger behind the industrial action we saw from the university and colleges union over the past three years as well, but also to outsource services on campuses as well on top of that. So at no point have they been putting our interests first. And we should have no illusions whatsoever that now with the coronavirus on the campus, and the health and safety crisis that exists, that the management who for years were happy to go along with those attacks to our education, to go along with those attacks on jobs and conditions on the campuses, all of a sudden that they'll wise up and change their behaviour. That's simply pie in the sky. We cannot rely on that. So we demand democratic trade union control an oversight of all health and safety measures taken on the campuses, but included within that democratic representation by the students and the student population as well. Mm. Like I said, to make sure that all of those necessary health and safety measures are being taken on campuses. So, for example, ensuring regular deep cleaning of the halls, of the learning and communal spaces, ensuring that students who are having to isolate have special dedicated isolation accommodation so they can isolate away from other students in their flats. But also other things that we've mentioned already, the appropriate provisions of support of students who are isolating. So for free food deliveries, for access to home learning resources and all of the rest of it. And otherwise, I think if we don't put these demands forward, as you say, James, there is a very, very big risk on a lot of campuses that students and staff could end up at odds over these issues. Now, that is because on the one hand, management are attempting to force staff, lecturers, teachers and all university workers to work in very unsafe conditions. And the health and safety of those workers is being jeopardised. The UCU that I've mentioned earlier has been putting out the call for all universities, especially in light of the new national lockdown, to move to online-only teaching. And that's 
obviously a perfectly legitimate demand. But on the other hand, you've got students who have been lied to, students who, of course, are thinking about their access to a decent quality of education, who are concerned about a move towards online teaching, which, again, we have to say that's a perfectly legitimate concern as well Mm. of the students. And the question for us is how do we fight for unity between staff and students which is a very, very important question because if we don't, it is a gift or it's a potential gift to the management and the Tories who will try and sow divisions between staff and students and especially, by the way, in the event of teaching becoming online only, the management will, without a doubt, use that to try and pin the blame on staff, on the UCU and to deflect blame for their own failures. If such health and safety committees, you know, how would these health and safety committees, what role would they play in uniting staff and students? Well, if such committees, like I said, with representatives from the trade unions, from workers on the campuses and students as well were established, that would be a starting point for a space for students and staff to start discussing amongst themselves what resources we all require on campuses to, on the one hand, protect the health and safety of staff, but also to fight for the best quality of education for students and life for students on the campuses, given the circumstances. And from that, you could then start to discuss what resources we all need to fight for from the Tory government to provide for an education system that we need to end and reverse outsourcing, to end and reverse all job attacks on wages, etc. But also to utilise the spaces that exist on campuses as well. You go to most, I mean, every single university campus I've ever visited, there are massive, massive spaces, often green spaces, particularly between student accommodations that exist on the campuses. Those spaces could have been used. Many scientists already are starting to discuss COVID as being mainly an indoor disease. It's a disease that spreads without ventilation and normally enclosed, cramped in spaces. These massive spaces that the university campuses own could have been used for makeshift study areas, you know, open air makeshift study areas areas with proper allocation for laptops, for learning resources, so on and so forth. But another issue that's come up on the campuses is the question of students having parties in their student halls of residence. And this has been another sort of point of attack of the Tories and university management to try and pin the blame on students for the infection rate going up in universities and in towns, etc. But again, these spaces could have been used for safe, socially distanced, socialising events for students to provide a bit of a social outlet for students as well. And of course, that would have actually reduced the risk of students being stuck inside all the time and having social gatherings inside, which do have an effect in terms of spreading the virus. These kinds of things would be possible with democratic oversight and control of health and safety measures taken on campuses by the trade unions and students. And of course, in a given situation, it may be that there has to be a bit of give and take on what measures are agreed in conversation between the staff and the students. But of course, if that's on the basis of thorough discussion and democratic control by the actual ranks of the staff and the ranks of the student body, then it's more likely to be understood and adhered to, particularly if it's linked, as you say, to this campaign of actually providing the resources, using the facilities which already exist, the open spaces, so that students don't go out of their minds in these prison cells, as you put it, locked Mm -hmm. up in the accommodation, but also more resources to improve the quality of the teaching. That kind of united front withdrawing division between staff and students that gift as you put it to the Tories and the management the potential is obvious for overcoming a great deal of these issues even if not every little thing is immediately won yeah but given the real situation right now 
the appalling state of higher education. Students at Cardiff, at Newcastle and at other universities have held demonstrations demanding fees refunds. Socialist Students has supported or organised many other such protests around the country. So what is the Socialist Party and what is Socialist Students saying about tuition fees? Well, as you say, Socialist Students have been out campaigning on this issue on campuses up and down the country, organising open-air meetings, but organising protests as well. And we support the demand for students to get fee refunds for this year. And Socialist Students have been some of the most energetic and enthusiastic campaigners for that demand. But we don't stop there and we don't want to stop there. We're an organisation that fights to scrap tuition fees entirely. And the reason we fight for that is because it's the fee system itself which has caused the chronic underfunding of our campuses and which has plunged the higher education system into the crisis that we face today. And frankly, the only way to end this crisis is to scrap the tuition fee funding model entirely and fight to replace it with a fully funded, free and high quality education system available to all students with living grants available to all students as well. And that's what we mean when we talk about the fight for free education. And by the way, one very popular demand that we've been raising on these refund fees protests, that we get a massive, massive agreement from students. If we're talking about tuition fee refunds, well, what the Socialist Party and Socialist students calls for is for student debt, if you want to use the phrase to be refunded, for it to be written off by the government. Most of that student debt is never even repaid anyway. So that's what we mean when we talk about fighting to scrap tuition fees and fighting for free education. Because the other very important question which needs addressing when we're talking about fighting for tuition fee refunds for students is where is the money going to come from to actually pay for those refunds? And it has to come from the government itself. And that is a winnable demand, by the way. I mean, when their system, when the capitalist system was facing collapse because of the lockdown earlier this year, the Tories found hundreds of billions of pounds to pump into the economy to prop up the capitalist system, they can be defeated. You know, the U-turns of this government are mounting by the week. Most recently, in your introduction, James, you mentioned it, the most recent U-turn they've been forced into against their will is calling a second national lockdown, but also, of course, extending the furlough scheme mm. as well, which, by the way, we say isn't good enough. An 80% furlough payment is a 20% wage cut, especially for minimum wage workers. That's the government saying you have to live on 20% less pay than what is the minimum for you to live on. What we call for is for work or full pay pay so for a hundred percent of wages to be covered by the government and also for a mass program of socially useful job creation and um, a higher minimum well. wage as well and a higher minimum wage that's right of 12 pounds nationally or 15 pounds in london but the point is is that the tories can be defeated this is the u-turn government but it's a question of students putting up a fight of getting organised on your campuses, but building a national movement to fight the government for the funding that our education system and our futures need so I think this will make a lot of sense to people. £210 billion pulled out of thin air by the Tory government, a government which for decades has been bitterly opposed ideologically to the idea of spending money to prop up the economy. They just found it out of nowhere. But of course, we do all know that they're going to come back for that money because where does it come from ultimately? Yeah, It comes from one or two places. Either it comes from the pockets of the rich and big business 
or it comes from the pockets of working class people who made the rich and big business their profits in the first place, which is what the Tories have achieved in the past decade and more through austerity. So what do we say about, yes, fine, the government should trump up the money now, but where ultimately should that money come from? Well, yeah, exactly. It should come out of the pockets of the rich. The 1% should be made to pay for this crisis, not young workers, not the working class, not students. And that, by the way, is what all of this is about, actually. This is about the government in terms of attacks on our education, I think we should discuss the youth unemployment crisis, which now faces young people as well. This is about, as you said, James, the government looking towards the working class and particularly picking on young people to pay the price for the crisis, to pay for the massive spending programmes that they've launched. And that's going to be in a dozen different ways. Attacks on our education, attacks on our access to decent jobs, but also more austerity, like you said. So the council cuts, also recently the absolutely savage attack on young people with the refusal of the government to extend free school meals into the school holidays as well. So this is the future that young people face on the basis of capitalism unless, like we've said, we get organised and fight back against that. And the money exists in society, that is the fundamental point to make, but it's a question of who owns and controls that wealth. And we fight for the taking of the massive, massive amount of wealth and resources in society into democratic public ownership and to actually start planning to start using those wealth and resources for the social needs and wants of the majority, not how society is organised at the moment in the pursuit of profits for a tiny few at the top of the system. So you've mentioned we talk about jobs for young people and graduates. For working class students and some middle class students who are having to pay their way through university working part-time perhaps whilst they're studying, but then also for graduates and people who didn't even go to university who are facing a job market in ruins. Mm. That's what they've got to look forward to. What's the answer then? Well, like you said, as, as things stand at the moment, it is a bleak picture and the jobs crisis, without a doubt, is going to affect a significant number of students, of university students, as you said, many of whom rely on part-time work to survive at university. And by the way, this links into another demand of ours, and that's to do with the totally inadequate student maintenance loans that are on offer to students. It's estimated, actually, that the average maintenance loan falls roughly £200 a month short of your average living costs. So it's a dreadful situation. And that's why we call for the loan system itself to be scrapped and for it to be replaced and for the government to make living grants available to all students as well. But many students are reliant on their parents for their Mm. income as well, for getting sort of top-ups off their parents in order to supplement their income. But what if your parents are furloughed? Or even worse, what if your parents are made unemployed? So all of these avenues could be closed off Mm -hmm. to students in the next period. So the jobs crisis is going to particularly affect students who are reliant on work at the moment. Well, never mind, by the way, working to put yourself through university. What if you happen to have a job, your parents are laid off, and you've got to drop out of university to support them? Well, yeah, precisely. And the threat and the pressure of dropouts on particularly working-class students is going to be absolutely immense this year at university, which, you know, again, is a scandal. Because, again, it comes down to class, doesn't it? It was like Mm. the A-level scandal over the summer. It comes down to class. Again, if you're a working-class student, the pressure's on you to not pursue education and to drop out. Those pressures are mounting, but also... The dropout rate, and they do predict that there will be a very, very high dropout rate this year from universities, is going to compound and further complicate the funding crisis as well on the campuses because Mm. all of those tuition fee payments are going to be unavailable to the universities, which means there's going to be a funding collapse potentially for the universities. 
but also after university. This is back to the jobs market. It's estimated that the number of graduate jobs being advertised over the course of the pandemic fell by 60%. So, you know, students, we're talking today, everything about this awful experience, the horrendous situation that students are putting at the moment on the campuses. And the question on a lot of their minds as the youth unemployment crisis progresses be, well, why are we going through this? Mm. What kind of future are we looking forward to after we leave university? So all of these questions are being brought into very sharp relief for students. That capitalism means not only a completely chaotic and substandard level of education for most people, but also no access, even at the very basics that we expect it to provide, including access to a decent job, offers us absolutely no future whatsoever. This is the future young people are facing. What sort of policies would be necessary to lift them out of it? Well, we think, firstly, we need a strategy to defend every single job which is on the chopping block that the bosses are threatening out of this economic crisis. The Socialist Party calls for the books of any firms which are threatening redundancy should be open to the democratic inspection of workers and the trade unions themselves. And also firms should be nationalised. If they're continuing to threaten redundancies, firms should be nationalised under democratic workers' control and management as part of a strategy to defend every single job which is under threat at this current stage. But it's not just about defending what we have now. It's about fighting for a decent future for young people. And what that also means is fighting for what we call for a mass programme of socially useful job creation to guarantee everyone. And this isn't just about young people. Of course, that's what we're discussing today. But this is about providing every working class person with access to a decent, well-paid job and to share out the available work in society as well. Big question on the minds of young people is well, how are we going to get not just the education, but the skills that we need to get decent jobs as well. The Tories have put up and proposed the laughable kickstart scheme, which they say is meant to be helping young people facing long-term unemployment into work. But that's absolutely bogus. I mean, when you look at the details of that scheme, six-month training schemes for 25 hours a week on the minimum wage, who on earth would believe that that is any sort of path into long-term employment, decent employment for young people? It's more akin to a return, as we saw was introduced in 2010, the workfare schemes by the Tories to work for free. For your dull money. Yeah, for your dull money. Which, of course, just has the effect of destroying jobs because if a firm can exactly. get people to work and they're just paid the dull... Precisely. It's not about providing young or working-class people with a future. It's about providing the bosses with a cheap source of labour. That is mm. what lies behind the Tory proposals. But nevertheless, we do still think we need training and young people are crying out for access to decent training and apprenticeship schemes. And that is what we think as well we need to fight on, to fight for apprenticeship schemes, for training schemes for young people under the democratic control of the trade unions as well. So to make sure that we are actually being given the skills that we need and the skills that we want, not being given bogus apprenticeship or training schemes, to make the office tea or coffee and then be told thanks for all your help and then shown out the door six months later. We want genuine training for the skills that we need as a route into decent well-paying jobs and employment. So we've mentioned a number of times the trade unions as having the power mm -hmm. to do this sort of thing. Unfortunately, the vast majority of trade union leaders and officials, with a few honourable exceptions, haven't lifted <clears throat> a finger to defend members in this crisis. And by the way, the Socialist Party is carrying out, alongside other trade union militants, mm -hmm. struggles inside the trade union movement to get that position changed so that strikes, occupations and other actions are led to start to fight for some of this alternative way forward, which you've detailed. 
mm-hmm. Theo. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is an enormous crisis, and we started by talking about the campuses as well. So the need for organisation, not just industrially, but on the campuses, mm-hmm. in the universities, is obvious. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, the National Union of Students, the NUS, organised mass demonstrations against the then coalition government, Tory Liberal government, tripling tuition fees. It's been completely absent in this crisis. Student unions, you know, which are the representatives supposedly of the student bodies in individual universities, they've also been completely absent. And certainly, right now, there is no, there is zero political representation of students or of workers. Labour under Keir Starmer has failed to oppose any of the fundamentals of the Tory government's approach. So how can young people organise to fight back? Well, like you said, students in particular face not only a crisis of leadership, but we would say a crisis of organisation as well, actually. I'm surprised you remember the NUS because they have, as you said, been so completely absent throughout this entire crisis. Not in reality lifting a finger, save for one or two press releases or statements on their website. have not lifted a finger to mount a challenge to what is happening on the campuses currently. But even on the campuses themselves, you mentioned the students' unions, which, again, have failed not just to give a lead but to organise students as well. And that's a very important point to make because students' unions should be bodies where students can gather to discuss the problems facing them, to democratically thrash out a programme and a strategy to fight for student rights. But in reality, the opposite on most campuses has actually been true. There have been instances, for example, of students' unions actually working alongside and with university management in their attacks on staff on campus, for example, Mm -hmm. to try and give cover, to give credence to the idea that management have seriously consulted and involved students in their attacks and in their plans. And as the university crisis mounts, students cannot wait for these students' unions to get their act together. And that's what socialist students essentially exist for on the campuses, to help organise any and all students on campuses who want to fight for student rights against the rent ripoff for free education against marketisation cuts etc but also to provide that democratic forum for debate and discussion to thrash a programme out that can fight for student rights and by the way that is the best way that we can put pressure on the SUs to act is by getting organised now, not waiting for them, Mm. but by getting organised on the campuses now. But as you said, James, the other glaring gap in this picture is a political voice for students, young workers and the working class generally as well. And again, as all of this has been mounting, this crisis has been mounting for students, for young workers, Starmer and the Labour right have launched into this attack right at this moment into Corbyn and the left, which is an absolute Mm -hmm. scandal. Mm -hmm. And the important question, though, I think that we have to ask is, what does that attack signify? What lies behind that attack? And it's Starmer demonstrating to big business that he is a reliable, safe pair of hands to represent their class interests. You know, Starmer... And the Labour Party leadership currently, they nominally support scrapping tuition fees. Well, if that is truly the case, where has he been throughout this whole crisis? There has been a deafening silence Mm. from Keir Starmer and the Labour leadership on these fundamental issues and questions facing students. So the question now for young people and for students is how can we fight? How can we organise for program, the policies, many of which Jeremy Corbyn put forward and popularised, for example, fighting to scrap tuition fees. Now, of course, fighting for free education, but also fighting on the other questions that we've touched 
on our discussion today for jobs for young people and students. That starts with getting organised in the workplaces, as you said, James, earlier, joining a trade union, fighting for that trade union to take the action necessary to fight for our futures, but getting organised in our communities, in our places of education, so on and so forth. But we need a political voice as well to fight on that plane. That is absolutely crucial. And with next year fast approaching, you know, local elections, students and young workers at the moment, the current choice they have is between a set of politicians, a set of candidates who roughly support all of the same positions in this new crisis facing young people, i.e. more attacks on our futures, more attacks on our public services, Mm. our education, our jobs, so on and so forth. And we say at those elections, we need a political voice. We need candidates from the trade unions, from the community campaigns, socialists, but student activists as well who want to fight on all of these questions. We need candidates who are going to represent our class interests and fight for the futures of students and young people. And of course there is a mood among some in the Labour left to stay inside the Labour Party and fight. And we should say of course we stand in solidarity and wish such a fight well and any kind of fight inside Labour would be a huge step forward of frankly the complete lack of fight that unfortunately there has been so far. So if there is to be a fight back Of course, that should be welcomed, but we have to be realistic. This is a concrete question. With the local elections coming up in May, are socialists and working class fighters in and around the Labour Party, when presented with Starmerite candidates who will continue to carry out these attacks, are they going to support those candidates or will they instead try and move the situation forward by backing, for example, candidates from the trade unionist and socialist coalition. So that's an electoral alliance, which includes the RMT, the Militant Transport Workers Union, it includes the Socialist Party, and includes many leading figures from trade unions around the country, and has historically got a record of standing, as Theo said, trade unionists, community campaigners, student activists, socialists and others, There is no political contradiction between fighting the right within the Labour Party and fighting for a political alternative to Starmerism at the ballot box with the Trade Unionist and Socialist Coalition. Now, a thread which has run through this episode is the need for organisation of actually all workers and young people, but particularly organisation on these issues on the campuses. And if you agree that there needs to be a coordinated fight back on the campuses and nationally as well, you should join socialist students to take part in that fight back. Get organised, visit socialiststudents.org.uk. And as always, by the way, if you like what you've heard, recommend us to your fellow students, co-workers and friends, donate to help fund us. And if you agree, join the socialists. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. Today we heard from Theo Sharif and I'm James Ivins. This episode was edited by Nick Hart. The Socialist Event of the Year will be Socialism 2020. It's an open online forum of discussion and debate over four days, the 20th to the 23rd of November, including a discussion on the campus crisis. Join hundreds of trade unionists, socialists and working class fighters to discuss the way forward in this extraordinary crisis of capitalism. Read more and book now at socialism2020.net. You can find further reading on this episode in the notes in your podcast app and at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you want to get in touch, email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. Do you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for? 
we need you. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Socialism, the podcast, has no wealthy backers. We rely only on funding from the working class, which maintains our political independence. So help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.